Sammy! Yo! <laughs> What's going on? Not much. Let's close this whole window. How has everybody been? Uh, fine. Fine? <laughs> Brandon's on the mic, like, for real. Yeah, I'm about to drop the beat. <laughs> how are how are you, Sam? I'm good. How are you? I'm dandy. Anthony? Great. I'm also dandy. Katie? I'm good. Aslan's been kind of sick, so I've been kind of worried about him, but... He's all right. He's hanging in there. He's he's like so. You guys know his personality, and he's like so chill. Like it's it's frightening how like chill he is. Like I know he's not doing too hot. <laughs> he's so chill. <laughs> yeah. Well, prayers for your dog. Thank and you. Thoughts. Thought, yeah, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts, thoughts and prayers. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, welcome to this industry life podcast. I'm your host Brandon Haskell. I'm your co-host, Anthony Wilson. And I'm your producer, Katie Garland-Noble, with my sick dog, Aslan. And today we are welcoming our guest, Samuel Ott. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam is a director of photography here in Los Angeles. And to start off this podcast, I would like to ask Sam, uh, tell us about your upbringing um, where did you come from and how did you get to Los Angeles? I grew up in the heart of Missouri on a cattle farm, uh, free range, uh, all organic, um, <laughs> and learned to drive when I was 14. Did you learn and, on a uh, golf cart or on a regular car? A truck with uh, these pronged things on the back that you stuck hay bales with. So, wow! Yeah, it's country as hell. Was it stick shift? Country as hell. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not that country. It, it was a it was an automatic. Nice. Oh, yeah. It almost could have been a country song lyric. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of where I grew up. So I, I have a very, I have a fond memory of rural Missouri and kind of am attracted to rural settings and solitude. Um, uh, what brought me to LA, I guess, that was kind of a long journey. So I was in Columbia, Missouri, studying at Mizzou. I was getting a business degree. Throughout college, I started to do film stuff and then eventually graduated and then hung out in Columbia for a few years before going to Chicago and then eventually coming to LA uh, for, you know, bigger dreams, I guess. Mm-hmm. How did you make that? pivot from business degree to deciding you wanted to do film and cinematography so in high school i discovered i guess indie films and like movies that weren't at a movie theater necessarily because jeff city only had like blockbuster movies and so i remember i watched rushmore by wes anderson and i was fascinated and i loved it but and I, I was like, oh, that, I, I would like to do that, uh, whatever writing and directing means. I just didn't know what that meant or how to get there. And then throughout college, you know, you take some film studies courses. And uh, at the time, I think I took Mizzou's first production class. Mm. Uh, and it was, it was okay. It was very much, uh, you know, we were the guinea pigs in that situation. But through that, I think I kind of slowly figured out, like, oh, you one way to do it is just to do it 
uh, and then, you know, digital technology was emerging and so, you know, I got a T2I and that was kind of the start and I was just kind of making, uh, terrible films after that. I've seen, you're just going to love that I'm going to bring this up. I've mm-hmm. seen some of the, some of your work from that time period and you also did some acting during oh. that time period. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're talking about. And <laughs> back to the future. I, yeah. Uh, it's, it's back to the past. Actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was kind of like with a group of friends and we worked on a web series, but that wasn't really, I wasn't really shooting at that time. The first season I was like kind of producing and editing and I don't know, doing stuff. I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that time. And then I acted. Apparently, I look like uh, Gene Wilder, so I played Wallace Wanker. <laughs> um, and then, and then in season two, I played Doc from Back to the Future, which is a parody, so it's Back to the Past. Um, yeah, I try to forget those days, but you know. <laughs> but how did you get into DPing after wanting to be a writer director and after playing Doc um, in Back to the Past? <laughs> Well, I guess, so during the making of that, like, there was just like a small group of us, and I've always kind of wanted to shoot, but there's also kind of like another guy in the group who was also kind of shooting, so it was kind of like everyone was just kind of doing everything, in a sense. I would say it was like after that, I really kind of fully just expressed interest in it, and I remember the first short film I shot, like actually DP, was for a friend of mine who was going to... Uh, a S- Stevens College at uh, in the same town, and oh man, it was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. But I don't even think it was released. I don't know if it was because of my fault, but uh, I remember looking back on it, I was like, "Oh, that's terrible." Um, <laughs> but that that was the start. And it was, you know, it was just a matter of just saying I want to do this, and then failing for a while, and then eventually getting decent i guess for sure and you're pretty much like self-taught yeah um like i said i took one production class at school otherwise it was just like a few film studies classes but i mean our like at the end of the semester you take a cl- like you take a basically like the whole class makes a short film but i was like boom operating so i don't you know i don't i don't yeah. even know <laughs> yeah it was I don't think it was that great of an experience, but uh, I knew I wanted to do something in it. Um, so the Mizzou program has actually grown for several years, and mm-hmm. since you were the guinea pig, you also got to meet the professor of the film program, Brian Maurer, mm-hmm. which then that led to your very first feature film. Yeah. In the Wake of Ire. And I guess... It's beautiful. Tell us about... Tell us about that experience. Well, I, I mean, I grew up. So Brian was, yeah, the professor I had. I think just once in production. Uh, but I, I took a liking to him, and he kind of became my mentor after college. And yeah, I don't know. He he always, at that time, he had made a couple features of his own, but he was gearing up to. I think do something bigger and I don't know. I just kind of looked up to him and he kind of was always there. 
to help. And yeah, I think eventually uh, we just became friends and associates. And I think that kind of student professor relationship just became just a regular professional relationship, which was kind of cool. And yeah, so then I, I quit my video job at Mizzou and we basically shot the film that same summer. And that and then right after the movie, I moved to Chicago. I guess once you moved to Chicago, uh, what was it like there? Because I know a lot of people in Los Angeles have moved from Chicago because mm-hmm. um, they realize that either the industry is too small or they have more opportunities out here in Los Angeles. So I want to know why you moved to Los Angeles. For, first and foremost, it's probably because of narrative. I wanted to do narrative stuff. And it was really the only thing I found. Granted, I was only there for two years, but I only found mostly commercial, like corporate jobs that like would pay the bills and then, you know, you work on your own stuff on the side. But there's rarely much narrative stuff going around. And I think fortunately, when I, my roommate at the time was going to Second City and met my girlfriend through that. And fortunately, she got this directing fellowship at Nickelodeon that kind of um, warp speeded me to move to LA sooner rather than later, which has been very fortunate because like having been in LA about a year and a half, despite COVID, it's been way more fruitful than my time in Chicago has been. I want Sam to tell the story of how you guys met because he tells it the best. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Wait. Uh, who, who met? How you met me and Brandon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, oddly enough, Brandon and I are, uh, the same alum, alumni from Mizzou. Mm -hmm. And my buddy, Michael, he teaches at Mizzou. And I think he, you had Michael, uh, for a professor, right? Uh, I didn't have him. I knew of him. Okay. Like we'd see each other in the hallways and stuff. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I kept, I heard your name come up a decent amount. It would only be like whenever I would visit uh, back to Missouri, I would just hear stories of your short film mm-hmm. and stuff and how you like dropped out of college and then like was going to move to LA. And I was like, that's crazy. Um, so then only then I finally met you through a mutual friend in LA, Joe because he was working on a short film that you were shooting. I came out and, like, helped Gap. And then it just so happened I got this terrible gig. <laughs> That's saying it lightly. He's saying it lightly, yeah. I got this terrible gig working on a vampire show. Uh, and it was uh, just... <laughs> You're still healing from it. You're still healing. It was, it, yeah. Uh, I mean, my wounds are... Vampire Show should say enough about the content that we were required to film. So we'll just leave yeah, it, that's... <laughs> leave it yeah. there. <laughs> but uh, it just happened. Like our, our B camera. So Brandon was acing on that. And then our B camera, we met through the show. And that was Anthony. And that was the best thing that came out of the show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Can you uh, imitate the director? Because, like, I just love when yes. you do that. Uh, Please. It's so good. I... No. Just because... <laughs> Background action! 
Wait, hold on, mate. What the fuck are you doing? You walk. <laughs> That's not how you're supposed to walk. Get, get back to your mark. <laughs> Yes. Sam does it even better though. I can't. I, I'm just. I'm afraid he's. He hears this. He'll come find me. And yeah, yeah. Let's cut that all all out, please. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. Damn it! I don't want to get I bitten. Love that he's gonna story. bite me. Yeah, we don't want you vampires just... coming after us. <laughs> Leave out the vampire part. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, they were. It was a zombie show. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> just rework that in there somehow. So was that your first gig in LA? No. I mean, my f- I shot like a short film in May. Otherwise, the first, I don't know, five or six months was getting like some PA jobs or like crew jobs, uh, some AC work here and there. It was kind of a mishmash. Like my first job job, I think, was me being an art PA mm. on some stuff. Um, I, yeah, because I worked on this student film for free at uh, – What's an orange? Um, the college in orange. Chapman. Chapman. That's yeah, Chapman. where I went. Yeah, Chapman. Thing. Uh, I don't know. Why I I brain farted. But so I just worked on that for free, and then the art director was like this industry professional, and I don't know. She just kind of liked me, and then she brought me on some stuff. So that was kind of the start, and then it was just kind of slowly working from there. I think. Yeah, and I had like another music video or something, like some yeah. small stuff, but that was probably the biggest thing, even though it was the biggest and worst thing at the time. Well, I have to say that when I was in Missouri, I always heard of the legend Sam Ott himself. <laughs> and when I heard that you were going to be gaffer on the short film that I was DPing, I was slightly nervous because I've heard of this guy who's who's pretty good at DPing. And I watched, <laughs> watched your reel and I was like, I don't know if... <laughs> I'm in the right place for this guy to be my gaffer. I feel like he should just shoot the short film. Uh, so yeah, I'm throwing that out there. But I, I appreciate that. I mean, you just. I mean, I think we just found each other at the right time. Because I mean, you had gotten to LA like a couple months before me, or right at the same time, right? Uh, January 2019, and you come out in February. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, like we moved in February 1st. Yeah, literally the same time. Yeah, a month apart. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it was just destiny, really. So what was the first gig that, because it sounds like some of the gigs you worked on were kind of just Mm -hmm. meh to you. So like, what was the first, like, all right, this is my, it's got the things I like, the the style of cinematography I want to do. It's a good story. What was that first Um, In LA. Yeah. Or just actually any, I guess, just your first narrative that you're proud of, you know, looking back on it, you're proud of it. Okay. So there's a short film I did in 2015. It's called Home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first project I really felt like I did a good job. And kind of, I really liked the content. And the director was great. She was also like a DP, but it was like her student thesis film at Stevens College. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think we both had just similar taste, but the whole process was just so organic and you know, is everything just happened so naturally. And I think we both just took a, a really liking to well, one, the content, but then also just how to shoot it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just a really magical experience. Um, I don't know. I mean, that her name is Livy Castellanos and I think she actually lives in somewhere in central America. I think now, 
wow. Like doing some dock work or something. We figured out how me, Anthony, and Sam have met, but we don't know how Katie and Sam have met. <laughs> so maybe, how did you two meet? Yeah. Uh, so I found this guy online. Uh, his name's Guy Longstreet. And I got coffee with him. And I've always kind of admired him. He's super smart. I've, every time I have a conversation with him, I feel like I learned something. And uh, we both love Tarkovsky. And he mentioned he was shooting a feature uh, in a couple months. And this was, you know, last year. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, send me the script. I'd love to help out. Whatever. I'm just eager to do whatever. So he sent the script. And it, was, it was very good. And and he was just shooting it, like, essentially in his apartment. Like, he kind of wrote it for the place he lived. And so back in June of 2019, I kind of just crewed on that. And I was pretty much like the AC gap. It was like pretty low budget. And, and that's where I met the actor, uh, the one and only Gareth, Gareth, Gareth Corson. And that was also a treat. The whole, and the whole set was great. It was very intimate. And you know, I always had fun, uh, making fun of Gareth and just kind of, <laughs> uh, Supposedly yeah. all Sam ate was rice the entire time, I think. For some reason, I, they did order rice a lot. I, I, think it was, <laughs> it was, I don't think that was my choice. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and um, I think, you know, it, we just kind of hit it off, and it was just a really pleasant experience. And towards the end of the shoot, he mentioned he's got this possible feature coming up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I kind of just shared him my work and that was kind of the start of it and and then eventually i met katie i don't know maybe a month after that i'm not really sure i remember like we went to go scout or something uh for the feature but i know we had talked on the phone before that uh yeah 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 basically gareth so there was another DP, and Gareth sort of joked about how we had like 10 DPs before we had Sam, but we did have another DP attached. And then Gareth was like, oh my God, I'm working on this feature, and there's, there's this kid, Sam, and he just like, he just came off a farm from Missouri. That's not true. <laughs> He's like... He's like 20 years old and like he's gonna be a star like we have to get him we have to get him and so i was like oh, okay like i don't know dude like we've done this so many times and i was like whatever whatever send me israel and i saw israel i was like are you fucking kidding me like really like this this guy okay <laughs> and so i went and got on the phone with him and he was so like genuine and like so low-key just like perfect like sam like but even more like downplayed like like can't take a compliment <laughs> like i was trying to like you know praise his work and he's like yeah okay yes thank you and like he was just like so like so sam and then uh like i got off the phone and i was like oh i'll have to talk to the executive producer or whatever um but Gareth was like all gung ho, and I was just like, "Does he? Does he want to do it?" And Gareth's like, "Yes, hell yes, he wants to do it." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So yeah, it just yeah. And then the first time we actually met, we went on a scout to was it the where the fuck did we go? Like the some national park. Where do we shoot you guys the last day? Sequoias. Sequoias. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. 
Uh, yeah, we scouted yeah, in this quiz. Yeah. And I've never told you this, Sam. Mm. You scared the shit out of all of us with your driving. Like, really? <laughs> oh, Sam. <laughs> you crazy, man. I, I thought I was actually a very modest driver, but... <laughs> No, you did really good. You just, you just, you just braked a little, a little on the belated oh. side. Well, I, that's that's because that's the I Taurus. drive. That's the Taurus. <laughs> I know. No, I'm just, I'm just breaking your balls. You did, you, you did amazing. You can't tame a wild animal like Taurus. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, that car. I, I, I had a rental car in kansas city last month and i got back and i like the like five minutes i started driving it i was like oh my god this car is such a piece of shit <laughs> i forgot how shitty it was the tour the uh, horse is a legend the little baby it angels is. in the back little baby angel yeah. statues <laughs> yeah Love no it. Just... that Taurus was like a lifesaver so many times <laughs> like he, he sam let me drive it like practically the whole shoot and <laughs> no because like no one had cars except me and sam <laughs> <laughs> so no i was i was just joking that's a terrifying sign when the only car is available <laughs> one is a Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> that's a red flag <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we made it work <laughs> yeah, somehow <laughs> yeah it's it's a beautiful uh, film too to talk about the the cinematography of it and i know you said you love rural landscapes and you, you, do you like that visually too do you like those kind of worlds i i very much love those worlds mm -hmm. um and it's kind of i feel like it's always been there but i finally i think the past year or so i finally kind of been able to hone it yeah uh more i think poetically um and kind of communicated emotionally yeah i think i just haven't really there were so many years where i didn't really reflect as much as i should have um i think i've done that more mm -hmm. like past couple of years so i think that's helped yeah one thing that i've noticed about the midwest is you don't really notice um how much you love the look of it until you're away from it for a couple of years that's true because my last yeah. time my last time going home i i've always heard you say how you romanticize over the midwest and i didn't really mm -hmm. feel that till my last time going home yeah so you were just there doing a, a doc right yes um you're trying to and directing it i'm doing everything right now uh mm -hmm. just until i can hopefully get more funding to go back because i'm editing it right now or really just logging footage. Uh, but that, and that's a slow, tedious process as you're aware, cause you're, you've been doing that like the past few weeks on your doc. Um, yeah. but so the, right now the documentary is just about homelessness and drug addiction or okay. drug using rather. I think something that is touched on is at least my main subject. I think there's a difference between drug using versus abusing i think mm. that's how he i think identifies interesting how yeah. is it when you look at the footage is it a bit surreal like oh my god like do you remember all the moments or were you so like absorbed that it's it's kind of like almost brand new looking at it yeah there's definitely a lot of 
new takeaways I'm getting from, especially because I'm only on like day two out of 13. So, and like the first week, I don't remember what happened because the second week I had to pull like five all nighters. So that, that just ended crazy. Yeah, it was, it was super nuts. And I mean, you're following around people that use meth and you Mm -hmm. know, they're, they're, uh, you know, kind of wired and it's hard to keep up. So it's, it just, and it took a toll, but so I kind of blacked out the second week. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been very eye opening going through it all. It's also kind of, it's very tedious, but I mean, that's just the editing in general, but, um, and I think also cause I'm on day two. So it's just not that it's not juicy yet, you know, <laughs> but that's interesting. What have you taken from documentary cinematography that you want to put in after like after just shooting this doc what do you think you've taken from it that you want to put into narrative or just in general as a cinematographer yeah i mean i honestly think it's just inspired me to one have more empathy but then two uh because all these people with such different backgrounds and interesting backstories of how they become homeless and like where they are uh it's just like you can't even write these kind of stories it's like you have to experience them in order to be inspired by them you know so mm-hmm. i think in that sense it just gives you more ideas for creating characters in the future um and more i guess i don't know uh, emotional and believable stories as opposed to just you know i think writing can you can just get lost especially now with covid where it's like you're not experiencing life at all but mm-hmm. you're trying to still be creative and it's just mm-hmm. kind of yeah hard to find inspiration but you know it's just being around a marginalized group of society can really open your eyes i think to just humanity but then also creativity how did you become connected well i guess it's a two-part question first how did you become connected to this individual who became your kind of like i guess protagonist for lack of a better word and then also Mm. Um, I know that, well, I think it was born out of, like, this larger idea for, like, a series of maybe shorts or something. And then Mm -hmm. maybe you discovered that there was so much more to the story. Yeah. So I was trying to make a short series of where I just talk to people on the phone and just kind of get stories. And my sister worked at this homeless shelter in Kansas City. And I just asked her to put me in touch with them. And they... You know, they put me in touch with this guy that they thought would be a really good spokesperson, if you will, for for the the organization. And they're they're called Restart, and they're super super welcoming and very open to me being there. Um, and it's the only wet facility in Kansas City, so people can actually use there. Um, mm. I, I think there are like certain rules and stuff, but. Uh, you know, it's they're. I think they can. It's not like they're going to get kicked out. That's interesting. Uh, but so I, I was talking to his case manager, and I actually had to send him a track phone in order to actually speak to him. Oh wow! And then so then we finally talked on the phone and had like a nice you know hour long conversation, and then through that, uh, it just kind of felt like there was something bigger there, uh, mostly just because of his background but also like where he thinks 
drug use should go uh, legally. Um, like he's an advocate for decriminalizing it. And um, yeah, he wants to forefront that change, I think, but I just don't know. I don't know if he knows how. So, or if he's even the right person, because if he still wants to use, I don't know if that, if people would look at that as a good example or not. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of what I'm hopefully finding out. But really, through him, he kind of just introduced me to his circles, and that's kind of the other characters uh, in the film right now. And there's, right now it's just a bunch of vignettes of stories and stuff that I'll hopefully figure out what to fill with and like I can go back in a couple months and get additional footage. Mm. When you shoot narrative, you literally have full, complete control and manipulation over what you are shooting, whereas a doc, you're more observational and you don't can't necessarily control what you're shooting. I guess, like, how was it from transitioning from narrative work to now transitioning to doc work where you can't manipulate anything and you're just observing? Uh, it was actually pretty easy. I, I, at least for this, the first two weeks of me being there, I kind of wanted to just let things wash over me in a sense. So the first week I kind of just was just there and just tried to just be a fly on the wall. But then once I found people that I liked that I thought would have interesting things to add to the, the documentary, I would start to then pitch ideas to, to Matt. Um, be like, Hey, I think this would be cool to, if we for, like followed this more. And then he would honestly just try and set that up in a sense, or like, Oh, we go and just meet them. And then, and then the night just kind of takes hold from there. So really mostly it was just kind of trying to witness the world first. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the next time I go, I'm probably going to be more precise on what we should get because hopefully I'll be able to figure out connecting storylines and stuff with the people. So yeah. at least this first time around, I tried to be just a fly on the wall, but I think the next time I go, I'll probably try to intend to engage a little more and yeah. kind of construct the thing as I go. Dude, it sounds super fascinating. Actually. Like, I'm really excited to, to see it. Um, it's I, it, I, I hope it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now it's just a bunch of people talking and doing drugs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, even that version sounds interesting to me. But I, I can't wait uh, to yeah. see what you, yeah, what you do with these subjects yeah. and when you go back. I, I have ideas, but you know, I, I the biggest takeaway is I, I'm hoping this month I can get something together where I can raise some more money to then just get ideally a second shooter and then some more audio because mm -hmm. i had to do all of it and it was kind of hard because i i tried to do everything with one single lens uh prime lens uh which was interesting and a little more challenging because you can't just you know zoom in on a face but uh i kind of like that limitation it kind of you kind of have to get more trust from people to actually physically get closer which mm -hmm. was mm -hmm. which was nice uh i would like to talk about and you can weigh in on this too, Anthony, since you just shot a doc. Mm -hmm. But does being on a fly, a fly on the wall, do you feel like you are uh, hindering that the actual experience that's happening? Are you like, are you messing with what is going on by just being there? I mean, I think yes. 
inevitably you'll never fully 100% capture truth from like a, an objective thing because no matter what you still have to go edit that footage which is still going to be like your voice you know so it's like it's funny because I, I had a a conversation with with Matt the guy I'm following and you know after two weeks it was like I think we both needed a break and it's like yeah you know he was expressing like you know he's found himself always being having to be on as like a, you know his personality so it's like even just your physical presence, people are still acting differently. Mm. And that just goes with different relationships we have with even people in our other forms of life. Like we all act differently with other people. So for sure, you're, you're definitely influencing something in that sense. Um, but then even afterwards, you're still going to influence how like the structure of it too, with the editing and stuff. So, uh, yes, I think you, no matter what, you'll have a, a, a footprint, yeah, I agree with what Sam said. I think my situation was a little different because I didn't have access into these people's lives necessarily. Like they didn't know I was making a documentary and I, it's a little unorthodox, but I was just, I had my camera on a tripod and it looks like a, um, like a photography camera. So I would just hit the record button mm. and let it sit there while I talk to someone off camera or even like literally just said, Hey, I'll be right back. But do you mind just watching? <laughs> I'll be I did, right back. Yeah, it's, I did some weird. I'm gonna go get a cup I mean, there's yeah, there's it really depended on who it was. Like, I mean, there's one clip, and I'll show it to you guys. Is just of this family, and it's like the entire family on the front porch. There's like ten to twelve of them, and they're all. It's like so crazy. It's like a wide shot because it's a wide angle lens, and they're all just doing something completely. Like one guy is rolling up a blunt, and then these these kids are doing like a TikTok video, and it's like I'm not oh, even wow. there just because wow. they think that. Like the camera, it's just sitting there. They don't think it's on. So That's it's a awesome. little unorthodox. I don't think it's, I don't think people, I don't, I'd never do it again. I just, I was just from LA and I was in West Virginia and I just didn't, I, I was having a tough time. Uh, There's so many like holes to jump through when I would tell them what I was doing. Like, Hey, I'm shooting. Like, what do you, they would, they would just be like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm just, I don't <laughs> like, I, I, if I told them the full story, it would take so long and they might've said no or. You yeah. know what I mean? So I I had to do something that was gonna be fast and yeah and but yeah I I think yeah I don't know it just depends I guess but I think my situation was a little weirder so yeah you were like a literal fly on the I wall, was I yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah um, yeah that's that's okay. interesting I mean I think that's uh I mean that that's probably more objective than my like what I was doing yeah like but, being so being so wide and locked down it's like you're not like I, I mean. From a filmmaking perspective, that's pretty, that's about as observational as you can get, I would say. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And you just did a commercial, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you've been kind of, you've kind of been bouncing around from narrative to doc to commercial. and Yeah. How, what's that like? I mean, what's, I know the processes are so different. How was, how was the commercial shoot? That was weird because I haven't shot, I mean, I haven't been on like a real set since like March. Uh-huh. So... It was it was kind of hard just getting back to it mentally, um, and it was also just a lot in one day. We had to get, yeah. I mean, I I personally don't have much experience with commercials. I would love to, but that's something I've been trying to break into more of in LA. Um, but I, I mean, it's they're fine, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think they're they can be fun because you know you typically have more things at your disposal. Um, as far as money 
Yeah, typically. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're lighting a blanket and you're just like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Uh, but, you know, it's fine. You kind of have to have those in order to make the other things happen. So, yeah. Can you talk about the commercial? I, I guess. I didn't sign like an NDA. So it was, okay, just, good. A, it, it, it was just for a blanket. Um, but the challenge was we had to do two versions, one in English and one in Japanese. So we always had to fly out different art pieces and then a new talent, like new talent would come in and they would just basically do the same shot just twice. Um, it got kind of confusing. Japanese version, the English version, but then there was also like two different types of blankets. So there was like four commercials <sighs> in total yeah, for one was... day of shooting. Dude, my, my <laughs> brain was so melted. And even the, it was so funny because God bless his heart. Quinn was directing. Oh, was he and, there? Yeah, he was directing. And oh, wow. there was one point where he was just like, all right, I'm out of ideas. Who, who's who got some? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was very honest and it was kind of a fun moment. Because uh, I was like, dude, I don't know. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just craziness. So I don't know. It was, it was too much for one day. That And that was like a low budget commercial that, you know. Yeah. As a director, I've had that. Mo I just had that moment over the week last weekend. Actually, the like, I'm out of ideas. You guys, you guys got anything? <laughs> <laughs> it's that's it's good when you're with your friends on set and you yeah, can, you can sure. say that. Um, yeah, which it was. Yeah, he was in a good place. It wasn't just like yeah, and like the the, the agency wasn't there. It's was like yeah, the client. You know, it was it was it was more so just very very funny. And, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I felt him. I was like, I don't know when. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess after the commercial, though, I felt pretty. Um, I was Sam's first AC on the commercial, but after we wrapped, I felt pretty relieved because for the first time in like several months, it kind of felt like life was back to normal, mm -hmm. even That's though awesome. we were all still wearing masks. So, yeah, how did you feel about shooting in the COVID world? Uh, I mean there's really no time to think about it. You know, you're, you just have the chaos of film sets. So you don't even, it doesn't even cross your mind. The mm -hmm. only time it did cross my mind is when you have a safety meeting in the living room and there's like 15 other people standing around. Like, this, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's this like two feet apart. <laughs> yeah. Meeting. Yeah. Everyone keeps six feet apart. And just like, <laughs> yeah. All mobbed uh, up. I mean, other, other than that, and like someone taking your temperature every now and then it was fine. Huh. It, it was nice. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, they're, it's it's weird because there might be a couple other things happening this month so it's like there's this i don't know sense of revival but at yeah. the same time the pandemic is just as much present mm -hmm. so it's uh it's weird to be honest but well some good news california's curve has hit the top but we'll see we'll see next hmm. week what it does it's starting yeah. to level out but they said that nice. a couple months ago and now look where we are but anyways <laughs> yeah i always rely on brandon for like my curve updates yeah. and then i get my little like graph like every week i'm like okay now i know what's going on <laughs> i love it yeah he's like the, the curve man like the weather man or something I don't know. <laughs> he totally is. brandon with the curve <laughs> looking like a <laughs> 
That's because I know if the curve starts going down, we can actually have Katie in the studio for the podcast. Uh, yeah, true. No. true. I know my yeah. antibody test got canceled. Yeah, so did mine. I was, yeah, and so did oh, Garris because really? I was going to go in his place. Yeah, we're going to donate Ooh. blood tomorrow. Oh, nice. And yeah, but it got canceled. So I rescheduled. Um, yeah, so I just want to say this is why it's super fun to be on set with like these guys because you guys always have a really good like attitude about everything. And also, Sam is like really chill, and our director for the one you feed, Drew, is like pretty chill too. So, how do you feel like, like someone's point of view or their like attitude on set? Do you feel like it's important to be mellow? Yeah, I would say. I mean, that helps. Um, if you're going to... I mean, it's okay to have a lot of energy. I think I've worked with a couple... Actually, and Brandon has worked with that director too, but they're just like super... It's like they just drank a pot of coffee, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's 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 actually really great to watch it because um, they're just bouncing off the walls and there's like, and then we go here, and then we go here, and then we go here. <laughs> there's like, okay. That's great. That's great. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I, I enjoy that. It's a, it's a nice contrast, especially if, as long as they're like positive, energetic, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, otherwise, yeah, I mean, Mellow's great. I mean, I think the biggest thing is just being open minded. Like first, first and foremost. Yesterday or Monday when we were at the commercial, we had like five minutes left for lunch and you come over to the set with the genie and camera and once you got to our circle, we just like all stopped talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed. Like, <laughs> I just, it's just like our awkward banter that we have between each other. I was like, oh no, this could be interesting for Wednesday's podcast. But I think I think for people just to just to understand that like uh, Sam's a great guy, always mellow and chill and. I think that's why we are awkward because we're all the same way and that's how we, that's how we like to work. That is true. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, yeah, that was strange. I was like, oh, I'm going to see what these cool dudes are up to. And it was like crickets. And I was like, all right, I'll see you later then. We weren't talking shit, we promise. I was like, were they talking shit? No, That's we probably. <laughs> I know you can't talk shit about Sam. It's not possible. <laughs> I don't know. You, you didn't see those shots we got. <laughs> no, I thought the commercial actually turned out really, really beautiful. You had the shot at the window at the beginning, and then at the end, the last shot that we got at the dining oh, table was really yeah. nice. The energy for that shot was yeah. Was wonderful. The last the last chunk was great. The beginning stuff wasn't wasn't bad and there's some moments and then something about working inside bedrooms just makes me go crazy <laughs> i mean it's you, you know you can only do so much I mean, like we can only light from the inside because you know like limited resources of being on the second floor mm-hmm. I, I think i'm i i have a feeling i'm part partly claustrophobic i think so <laughs> um but i'm not sure not to change the the vibe here but sam mm-hmm. what is your lowest moment as a cinematographer oh um it could be a comedic low or a serious low however how, well, how low do you want to go it's i think it's both comedic and serious low okay it was it was on that 
vampire show. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs> oh, I think I know. And, and they they wanted they they mentioned the footage should be cool and blue, and I was like, oh, you want to go blue? Let's go blue, dude. <laughs> so like, y'all want to go blue? <laughs> we went like hundred percent saturation on the sky panel, blue. <laughs> And you know we shot the whole day that way, and no one said no one said anything. And then the next day, they were like, "Yo, why does this like footage look like a blueberry?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I thought that's what we were doing." <laughs> um, and I don't know. I I kind of I felt I felt like I I failed, but at the same time, uh, it was it wasn't a good set. So I was like, "Eh, whatever." Like you guys, you guys don't respect us. So yeah, you get, yeah, that's true. You get you get blue footage. <laughs> so it was pretty blue, though. I watched it again. It was, like, yeah, it was like purple. That was too much. Yeah, it was, it was too much. Turn purple. It was way too much. Oh man, Oof. what's your highest yeah. moment then, as a cinematographer so far? I mean, I feel like just because it was the biggest, most recent work, but probably the one you feed because I thought it turned out really well yeah definitely um for the budget and also just through that process uh i think we just solidified a really strong crew Mm -hmm. you know being so new to la that was just a really good experience and it just kind of solidified a lot of relationships and then it kind of turning out strong i think in terms of how it looked i i would say that um what what do you think um allowed your images to be so strong given the stipulations that you had on set a lot of prep and then a lot of conversations with drew the director uh he was super open to a lot of ideas and you know he presented to me a bunch of films that inspired him and i just kind of watched them all and then you know you go through the scripts a handful of times and then you kind of just kind of start to see the movie and then you start to pitch the movie how you see it and then you just kind of bounce ideas off each other and then from there it just comes down to what looks you're inspired by and i think the film the beguiled the new, mm-hmm. the, the newer one and then with well, at least for the interior of the stranger's room that was like the beguiled like with just the color palette of green and with the shears and stuff and then otherwise exteriors and interiors is kind of like days of heaven but mm. you know i mean you can you can strive for that as much as you want, but it's kind of hard to do that. But yeah. that was kind of like the color palette was kind of like this orangey, naturally lit type of film, um, a vintage, I guess too. I guess just for the young young folks out there, or just people that mm-hmm. want to be director, photographers, and cinematographers, mm-hmm. um, does it matter about the camera and the equipment and the lighting, or what's something that someone starting out can do to to sharpen their cinematography or Mm -hmm. or if some or if a director doesn't have a budget like what's something that he or she and the dp can figure out to make it look you know just make it look better (laughs) i guess yeah um do you think camera matters uh it does yeah at some point um but at its fundamentals no i mean any camera can look really good these days you might just have to finesse it more to mm-hmm. get more dynamic range out of it. But 
I think it's mostly coming down to like what you're going to do with it, with the camera and like where to place it and how to move it and the relationship to the characters. That's the biggest thing. So I would say in order to make the strongest images, I would say, like, how do you and the director want to tell the story? Mm -hmm. And then lighting. I mean, if it's outside, that's easy. You just schedule around the sun. I mean, that's, you just just backlight everything, you know? I mean, that's not too hard. Um, (laughs) If you can. And yeah. I mean, ideally, I mean, that's like the go-to, but unless front light's a, a thing that you want to go for. Um, so, I mean, it's one, just getting used to what natural light's doing yeah. and making it work in your favor. Um, otherwise, it's just what you're going to do with the camera and the lensing choice. Yeah. Do you find yourself liking writing and stories more than uh, shooting or... I guess you're still doing uh, stories with shooting, but you know what I mean? Do, do you yeah. find yourself, do you want to write more projects in the future? I mean, writing is awful, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I have enjoyed it. I think because it's helped me reflect on what interests me then mm-hmm. whether what I've written is really good or not. I don't think that really matters. I think it's, you know, more so just like it's, opening up my creative eye in terms of how I can approach something mm. really, I, I feel like it's just helped me poetically in a sense. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your scripts? Are you comfortable talking about them? Uh, sure. I don't mind. I'd love to hear about them actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've written three features this quarantine. Um, Which, okay. Can we yeah, just, hold on. That's Wait, insane. I'm, okay. That's insane. And he's done a documentary, like, okay, he shot basically almost a full documentary feature, and he did a short that got into, like, the Kodak, like, somehow Kodak Film Festival. Like, I don't even know uh, how he did that. It wasn't Kodak. That would be sweet. (laughs) Photo Cinematica. (laughs) It was, uh, like, which is still still a big, yeah, that was was awesome. Yeah, uh, that guy was cool. He, I, I just kind of pitched it out. It didn't get into a handful of things, but uh, I, I'm still waiting to hear from a few like doc festivals. But it's not that big of like a, a thing. It's more yeah. so personal. Um, but I guess the script. So the first one is I was, I guess all of them are inspired by different things. Uh, so the first one is inspired by the wrestler, more so than anything. And it's kind of just about a washed up rock and roller, cool, uh, who has to come to terms with uh, a previous band fallout due to the loss of uh, his band member and friend. The second one is based on, I guess, two people. One is a friend of my brother's who has, uh, he served in Afghanistan and has PTSD, and he mm. was kind of like a drifter for a couple years. So the film follows two subjects. The first half is like this drifter who comes home for his, to visit his sister. Their mom just passed, but then he gets roped into drug use and kind of like her world and just kind of ends up going to prison. And then the second half is essentially follows a new character that gets out of prison who tries to refit, who mm. gets reacclimated into society, yeah. but has trouble doing so. And then essentially they become a drifter. So it's a full circle right? Uh, with two different people, but their, their stories overlap in a sense by interacting with different people in the town. So it's kind of like a place beyond the pines maybe, but, mm-hmm. and then this other one is, it's a really art house thing. Um, I watched this movie called The Turin Horse. Okay. Oh, and, yes, yes. And 
and I've Satan Tango. Uh, so Satan Tango is like the seven and a half hour long movie. Wow. T- that style of filmmaking yeah. meets Tarkovsky, hopefully. Oh my you God, know, that... that sounds, I love Turn Horse. <laughs> Turn Horse is amazing. It is. It's, it's got you like... written all over it, actually. I think I've... It's I like I asked you about that once maybe before, but like there's like a 25 minute shot of a guy like or like his daughter yeah. making a potato and then they just right. eat the damn potatoes. That's it. <laughs> but you're so engaged with it. It's not yeah, like some, there's something about it's, it. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so it sounds awesome. So, a lot of different stories there. It's been over an hour. It's been an hour. Actually, I think it's been like an hour and five minutes, maybe. Mm-hmm. So. I'll do my usual. Let's wrap up the podcast. <laughs> um, my question for you, Sam, to end the mm-hmm. podcast on is: Let's say, hypothetically, I bought you a thirty-five millimeter projector for Christmas. Okay. What are the first three movies you watch on the projector? Hmm. Uh, Magnolia. Hmm. Um. One of my favorite movies is The Great Beauty. I'm not sure I would watch that on that though. Mm. Uh, probably Stalker. No, um, Stalker or Nostalgia, one or the other. Oof. And I don't know. I'm just gonna say The Wind Rises. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I don't know. I love it. Well, you heard it from the legend himself, Samuel <laughs> Ott. <laughs> uh, thanks again for your time, Sam, yeah. and uh, we really appreciate you as a friend a filmmaker and we hope that people can see yourself within your work and we will post links to it in the show notes. Yeah, we will. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. I also want to, <laughs> I want to preface that we did talk a lot about Sam's previous work, but I think a lot of his current work is what shows um, who he actually is and how good of a cinematographer yeah. he actually is. So please click the link below, find Sam's website and look at his beautiful. He dip- shot. He shot my little short that I just released. So, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful. He did an amazing job on that. Yeah, we can, whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever we got, we'll put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to feature that. That turned out really nice. Yeah. Thank cool. you again, Sam. We love you. Yeah. Love Thank you, guys, you, Sam. We love you. Appreciate you so much. Yeah. Same to you. If you would like to get email notifications to figure out when the next podcast is and have direct links to Oh, um, I do. Oh yeah. Each <laughs> each <laughs> each link that takes you to whatever podcast platform you like to listen to, um, just email us at this industry life and we will add your email to the email chain where we will give you those links. Every Perfect. week. Oh, Brandon, we're gonna have an email chain. We are. <laughs> I love it. All right. And that's the podcast. So thanks again, Sam. And we will see you guys next week. Yes. Next week, it might just be uh, the three of us chit-chatting. I don't know. Maybe we'll call Sam. the breeze. (laughs) Throwing a couple friends. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. Tune in. Yeah, tune in. Tune in. Awesome. See you. Cool. Peace. All right.